This may seem like an interesting time to do this, Pam, because here it is in August 2023, and what we have coming up in June of 2024 is the Passionately Married Getaway, and we're kind of doing a soft opening, I guess you could say. The registration's open, but I'm not really pushing it with emails and blasts. It's just going to be mentioned on the show right now. So if you go to passionatelymarried.net forward slash getaway, you can reserve your spot with the early bird rate and come join us June 13th through the 15th in the DFW area. Signups are open now. Looking forward to seeing everybody and meeting new people. Love that time. It'll have been two years by the time we finally get back Mm -hmm. together with each other. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I'm missing it. I'm ready. I'm ready to to get away again. Yeah. I missed it this summer for sure. So come join us passionatelymarried.net forward slash getaway. And coming up on today's uh, show, this is a conversation with Cedric Bertelli. And he does work on emotional resolution, mm. which, so th- and I'm kind of, it's, there's an extended, a regular and an extended today, but it's a continuation of a conversation. We go a little deeper in the extended content. The extended is the continuation. Right. We don't, and it's, it's a, maybe it's a little more personal, but it's, it's one big long thread. It seems like with the whole show, the way it went, but yeah. Cedric's work is about how we can actually resolve trauma and the emotional triggers and the states therein that we have from the different things that have gone on in our life. Which is key because so many times the trauma comes in and creates havoc in our life, right? We've got people that call in all the time and maybe it's one spouse that's, how can I help my, mm-hmm. how can I help my spouse get over this? Well, these are types of things that that person has to do on their own, right? Right. There's certain things they have to do on their own. And so he's helping guide through that. Stick with it. He's um, got a wonderful accent. I had to focus really hard. Yeah. So it's, this isn't something that I want to be distracted and doing something else. I focused really hard. To, yeah, Pam listened to this while stuff. driving. So she was trying to multitask and, and uh-huh. be, be mind I, of very, mindful to, everybody around her. Too. I had to turn it up louder <laughs> just so I could hear all of the uh, enunciations. Well, well, this is a conversation with Cedric Bertelli. Uh, if you want to continue with the extended content, you're going to go to passionatelymarried.net forward slash academy and join us. So all that's coming up right after this. Ladies, summer is the worst time to suffer with an uncomfortable bra. Thankfully, Honey Love has revolutionized the bra game. Upgrade from traditional bras that use uncomfortable underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. Plus, they're made with fabric that's so soft it feels like a second skin. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. It's so next level comfortable, you'll forget you're wearing it. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash passion. You know that feeling when you get home from a long day and immediately want to take off your bra? Oh, I know that feeling. Coriness. With Honey Love, you'll never experience that again. Their bras are so comfortable, you'll forget you're wearing them. Honey Love's bestseller, the crossover bra, is so comfortable, it's sure to be your go-to. It gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. Plus, mesh um, detailing adds a touch of sexy. Treat yourself to the best bras in the market and get 20% off at honeylove.com slash passion. 
Use our exclusive link to get 20% off at honeylove.com slash passion. Cinched, snatched, and lifted. It's hot girl season thanks to Honey Love. Well, it's a real treat. Uh, anytime I get a chance to interview somebody, particularly somebody that's got a fun accent, uh, this, this that's a that adds a whole other flavor rather than my Texan Midwestern uh, voice that's on every episode. <laughs> so, Cedric, I'm so excited that you're joining me today, and welcome to the show, man. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Corey. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Cedric, let's let's just jump right in because uh, your work is on the concept of emotional resolution. And Correct. so I think first off, we got to do some defining of what does that mean? And then we'll go from there. Yeah. So it's called emotional resolution because finding a label for things is not easy, so to speak. But what, what it does is resolving disruptive emotional pattern, disruptive, okay. challenging emotional difficulties, so to speak, challenging emotions. That's what okay. it's all about. Okay. And so you're talking about when... I have things that happen to me and I have this normal pattern in the way I would respond or react that it's because it's almost uh, ritualistic that it becomes, it's just rote, right? Where it's like, I have this, That's right. this happens, I react this way. And so your, That's your right. work is about how do I disrupt that? That's right. That's absolutely right. Is we have those emotions that keeps on coming back. It can be anger, frustration. It can be anxiety. It can be depression. And over the years, very often we learn to control them. We learn to bottle them down, to not show them, or some of us don't, and we just we just show <laughs> them to the world, you know. Right. Uh, but but these emotions there, I mean, they've been serving a purpose maybe in the past, but very often, if we could decide consciously to not be triggered, we will. We will say, yeah, I don't need this anger, I don't need this frustration, right. I don't need this anxiety. So all those disruptive emotional patterns that do not serve us per se. Uh, we can resolve them. Okay. So how? Because that begs the question, because again, this is that element of, um, I'm, I'm in the same same vein as you in the sense that I think a lot of the patterns we have when we originally created them, they made sense. Mm -hmm. they, were, mm -hmm. they were survival mechanisms. They were ways to get what I needed or avoid what I didn't or, you know, because I was a kid and powerless. And so I figured out yes. if I withdraw that makes me feel safe. Or if I yes. push back, it gives me room. But then we, we carry that forward and it doesn't serve us as well, but it's not as simple as just, oh, I just need to stop. <laughs> right? You're, you're right. You're right. It's not as simple as that because if we just decide cognitively, that's not going to work. Right. Um, now, the process of resolution is very simple. Um, we, we understand today neurobiologically how an emotional difficulties is created okay and we understand why it is staying in us um, okay in a nutshell i can tell you we 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 know today that at the origin of every single one of our disruptive emotional pattern what we just talked about at the origin it's always the same kind of event it's always a trauma Okay, so some now, sort of an what, event that has that has brought this about, something that's happened, and that's what that's what that's where it was born from, is what you're saying. Yes, absolutely, and and uh, you know, uh, 
when we talk about trauma nowadays, we think about, I don't know, uh, uh, being beat up or... No, no, a trauma in the way that we understand it, the way that I understand it is, is an instant that holds too much stress, physical or emotional, for mm-hmm. us to take on at the instant when we live it. Okay, so it's more, it's something happening, because I'm, I'm just going to, just to clarify, I just want to make sure I'm tracking yes. with, with where you're going with this, that if, if an event that happens and it's too much for us to quote unquote handle physically, emotionally, mentally, whichever, that's the tra- that's trauma is what you're describing. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's exactly what okay. it is. And so that starts very early on. That can start in the womb. That can start at birth. That can start during the first years. It's, it's most of the time, the first two years of life, meaning from conception to out of the womb. It's a quote-unquote wonderful garden for trauma because we're so vulnerable to our environment. Okay. And, okay. and coming out of the womb, for the body, physically, right, it's very traumatic for the, for the baby. Yeah. And for the mom as well. It's, 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 I mean, it's physically traumatic. Right, absolutely. So, and so, and so uh, that's, that's what we understand. At the origin of our pattern is always an instant of trauma. And, but okay. what is happening during this instant of tumor stress? What is happening is if the cognitive, if the prefrontal cortex is already developed, when there is too much stress, there is an instant of dissociation. Okay. It's, a normal, it's a normal mechanism, so we don't suffer too much during, uh, during mm-hmm. that. Let's say uh, I'm in a bus, I'm 12 years old, and a bunch of boys come to me to beat me up. Mm-hmm. I'm being bullied. If, mm-hmm. I get, if I get punched, during this moment of, of being bullied, I'm going to have several pieces of dissociation. Mm-hmm. Because it's too much for me. Boom, 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 boom. So in one event, of course, uh, often I'm going to have several dissociations. But what's happening with the dissociation is quite fascinating. The prefrontal cortex become inhibited. So we mm-hmm. don't suffer too much. But the prefrontal cortex is what use, we use to filter information. Mm-hmm. What you and I, we are aware of consciously is about 2,000 bits of information per second. Okay. The subconscious mind has a potential to gather 400 billion <laughs> of bit of information per second. Right. Um, yeah, because there's so much more going on that it's aware of than our, than our prefrontal is aware of. So much more. And the, yeah. the, speed, the speed of processing is very different. We process things consciously at about 100 miles per hour. Subconsciously, we process data at the speed of 100,000 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. These are the numbers from the Penn University, and it dates from 2012. But if you go on the net or, or look for different research, it's always on the same type of um, okay. ratio, so to speak. Okay. But what is happening is during, a, during a, a trauma, during an instant of trauma, there is no more filter. So it's like your subconscious is wide open, and it gathers all this information present within the five senses, what you see, what you smell, what you taste, mm-hmm. the texture around you, and the physical sensation present in your body during this instant of trauma is like the, 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 the gate is open. You gather all mm-hmm. that. But um, uh, in a non-logical uh, way, it's non-linear. It's just right. a bunch right. of information coming. So that's what's happening during an instant of trauma. And we lived 10th and 10th of these moments in our life. Right. I'm convinced of it. I mean, I see oh, it no. every day with people. You know, and you know, that, you know that too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You know? 
So now what we understand is another big part of the job's brain is to predict. We right. constantly predict based on past events, based on past experiences. An example that I always take is if you had a Granny Smith apple before, the next time and for the rest of your life, before you bite the Granny Smith apple, you already know exactly the experience you're about to have. You predict right. it. Right. It is exactly the same process for emotion. After our trauma, so to speak, our trauma plural, when the body is exposed to one or several elements that were present during one of our trauma, a smell, mm -hmm. a taste, a situational uh, a situation, when we are present, when our body is exposed to one element that was or several elements that was present during a trauma, it is going to automatically, instantly predict what you are about to feel mm -hmm. based on what's, what's felt during a traumatic event. So when I say it is going to predict what you're about to feel, it is going to predict the physical sensations that you're about to feel. This physical sensation, we call that interoception. Mm -hmm. We know that we have an emotion because we feel it in our body, because there are sensations in our body. That's how we know that we have an emotion. Now, what we discovered is that, we don't know if we discovered it, what we really enlightened, right, um, highlight, is that the physical sensation that we feel in our body during an emotion is an obsolete, an outdated prediction from the brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what is happening is we'd never let this prediction plays out until the end. One way or another, We control either way our emotion or our environment, the environment that creates the emotion that we experience. Okay, say that again, because I think, I think we're yes, on, yes. on to something pretty deep here and, and yep. we'll unpack it more, but say that again. Yes, yes. You, um, I'm going to back off a little bit. You know, uh, we always talk about the impala being chased by the lion. And when the impala escape is back in a safe place, it's shaking the body. And then the impala graze like nothing happened. Right. That's, that's something that we all know about. It's a natural capacity that we all have as mammals. We do too. Mm -hmm. The problem is we never let this time of recovery. Every time we experience an emotional difficulties in our life, it's another opportunity to let the body go through the update of the prediction. But we don't do it. When okay. we feel anxious, what do we do? Yep. Uh, when we feel anxious, we take some breath. We have a glass of water. We have positive thinking. We try to control what create. <clears throat> we, from the, I mean, I have a two-year-old and I have an 11-year-old. And... and, and I know that, and I still do that sometimes, right? We teach our kids to control their emotion. If mm -hmm. you feel stressed, this is what you can do. If you feel mm -hmm. afraid, listen, you don't have to feel afraid. So we try to control to make sense of things. It is counter it's, it's counterproductive to healing. Right. Right. So what we what what MRS is all about is to let the body experience the full prediction the full realm of sensations without okay. interfering with them. 
okay. without trying to control it in any way or without trying to control what's going on around you mm-hmm. until the end of the prediction. Now, what's important is you have to do that in a safe place. Your okay. body has to feel safe when you do that. If not, it's not going to work. But another bit of information that's important to, to, to say, I think, is this prediction that we feel in our body take between two seconds and 90 seconds, never more. Okay. So if we can let the prediction plays out without interfering, without trying to understand, without thinking our way out of it, if we let the sensations change in our body until they're done changing, at the end of the prediction, the brain is expecting to be hit by some kind of danger. But at the end of the prediction, during a session, or if the person learned to do it on themselves, at the end of the prediction, nothing is happening. You're safe and sound. Right. At that very instant, what was taken as a stimulus for the brain is updated. This mm-hmm. emotion will never come back. Okay. It's simple. Well, yeah, th- th- you're speaking my language in the sense that it's simple, but it's incredibly difficult to do <laughs> because because of what it re- requires of us, right? It means I have to turn mm-hmm. towards because you're you're in you're you're speaking a lot of the language I love, Cedric, in the sense that when we're talking about trauma, because the world we're in now, at least this is the experience I've had uh, with some of the guests we've had over the years, most recent years, and then for sure what kind of culture is is everything is big capital T trauma, right? And it's, and now therefore that should take precedence and we should be able to create this safe environment, right? That like, that the world yeah. will come become safe. And if anything, the pandemic taught us, we don't live in a safe world. <laughs> there's, there's, there are things out there that will just kill us. It's just in, yep. in maim and debilitate us. Absolutely. And not even including other people. So, when we're dealing with these kinds of events, the counterintuitive thing like you're describing, this is what I love about it, is I have to turn towards it and and learn to deal with it in that moment. That's how I kind of gain new ground, as you're saying. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. And you, you, you said it right, right? We spend our life trying to step away from the emotion. Mm-hmm. Blame, understand, self-blame, you, you name it. We have a whole... Uh, battery of coping mechanism. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. self-arm. But what you said is that you have to lean into it. So it takes courage. Right. Right. Absolutely. It, it takes, takes courage. courage. Yeah. <laughs> I call that slaying our dragons, right? Yeah. Like we spend our life, dragons are like the, these emotions that we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, the, the anger, the anxiety, like, and we spend our life trying to fight our dragons. And often that's anger to hide from our dragons, that avoidance or escape to control mm-hmm. our dragons or to tame our dragons, to please them, to seduce them. But that doesn't get the dragon to, to go away. The only way to slay the dragon is to get in its mouth. Mm-hmm. You've got to get in. You've got to feel it. You've got to fall into the emotion. You've got to fall into the sensation of the emotion. And that's from the stomach of the dragon. When you're inside the emotion, when you feel the sensations, right. when you don't try to be out there, that you can slay the dragon mm-hmm. and the dragon rest forever. So you made mm-hmm. a comment as we, as we kind of wind up this segment, then I got away. I think we should pivot. 
uh, on a little more of a personal side uh, of this with the extended content. But um, you made a comment of for us to uh, deal with the prediction, right? Because I have something, I have an event happen to me or a smell. I had this happen of I was moving some things in the garage years ago and there was a smell and in that smell was embedded some something from my past. (laughs) It triggered it right away. And then we were on this long drive. And for like the first two hours of that drive, my whole gut is in turmoil, right? Because it just threw me off. And I finally had to talk it through and just out loud. I mean, my wife was there. Kids were in the back, but they were little with headphones on. So it wasn't a big deal. But I'm like, I need to just vent some things out. I got to kind of deal with this and also feel it. Right. And so you're talking about you have to create a safe space. And yes, that can be done in a, in a professional relationship, therapy, coaching, et cetera. But yes. how do you also find it within yourself? Yeah, good. It's, great. it's a great question. Mm. In a way, you don't have to create a safe space. You have, we have to ensure that the body feels safe. Okay. And there is, there is an easy way to do that. We learn that by watching animals because, uh, believe it or not, but we do MRS with horses and cows. Okay. Um, the first sign of fear in an animal, do you know what it is? Tell me. They don't blink. When an animal is exposed to any kind of fear or threat, they stop blinking. Okay. So we took this observation for humans as well. In order to know if your body feels safe to do a resolution, the first thing you do is you you do it's closing your eyes. And you know if your body feels safe or not if you can remain with your eyes closed without, without wanting to open them. Okay. So if you can close your eyes and you don't want to peek, for example, driving will not be a good idea. No, right? oh, don't do because this driving. Absolutely. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you can park, go in the bathroom, for example, and you can even take your wife with you because maybe she makes you feel safer, you know, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you close your eyes. And if you can close your eyes without uh, wanting to open it or without any effort, then you know that your body feels safe enough to go through the process. Okay. So for kids, for example, you know, we, we, uh, we teach um, before the pandemic, we stopped now, but before the pandemic, we taught in school here uh, in San Francisco, how to do that, how teacher can do that with kids and how kids can learn to do that on themselves. And so they have an MRS corner. We created an MRS corner with like pillows and stuff. And when they have an emotion, like they have the suggestion to, hey, do you want to go to the MRS corner? And so they go and they see, they do whatever they want and they, they feel safe there because they create it for themselves and they can close their eyes and do through the whole process by themselves. Okay. But it's, 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 do we know that the body feels safe? Often I talk about spider, like somebody who is really afraid of spider. If a spider is two meters away, it doesn't matter if you tell them, oh, the spider is not going to jump on you. If you ask them to close their eyes and they know that the spider is too many other way, they're going to want to look at the spider just to make sure. It's not right. going to work. If you want to work on your arachnophobia, you're going to have to step away, close the door maybe. You're still going to feel the fear, but you're going to be okay to close your eyes because there's a door between you and the spider. Then mm-hmm. you can resolve the arachnophobia. Okay. And that's, that's the idea of just now all of a sudden I need to feel it. I need to experience, I need to like actually turn towards it 
or to use your example with the dragon, I'm just going to climb in it and slay it That's from right. the inside. Okay. That's right. And and uh, I know it's counterintuitive, but, but you don't want to talk about it almost. The only thing you want to talk about are the physical sensations in your body. Okay. That's you a good really point. have to create this bridge. It's like, what sensations am I feeling in my body? And the other secret is you've got to feel at least two sensations at once. Okay. Why is that? Because, because if you only pay attention to one sensation, you're going to have room to think. Ah, okay. And you need, you need to have your mind, your cognitive mind, in quote-unquote, full attention to what's happening within the body, physically. So for that, the trick is to feel two sensations at once, and those sensations are going to start moving, changing, transforming. Remain in attention as it's changing within you. Okay. So basically you start to become more, yeah, you just come attuned to you and what's going on rather than adding labels to it in the sense of wondering where this is coming from and why do I feel this? And instead it's just, here's what I'm feeling. I kind of just become totally mindful and aware. That's that why it's there and what's going to happen is irrelevant. The key, remember, is to let the body go to the end of the prediction without interfering with it. With thought, with breath, you know, people sometimes they say, you know, I feel my I feel my emotion, but they start to take deep breath. No, if you take deep breath, buddy, you are controlling. You're taking deep breath because it's uncomfortable. Okay. okay. So we have to stay in the discomfort. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, now you're definitely speaking my language because I think that's where we grow is when I lean into discomfort relationally and in our and in this conversation physically. Emotionally, mm. mentally, when I lean mm. into that, I expand my cap- my capabilities and my presence. That's right. Perfect. That's, okay, so, that. so, so tell people how they can find you as we wind up this first segment. Yep, they can, uh, they can go to cedricbertilly.com. That's my personal website. Or uh, mres.com for the, the main uh, website for mres emotional resolution. And mres is E-M-R-E-S. That's right. Just so everybody's familiar with with that. Okay. Well, Cedric, thank you so much for the conversation thus far. And I look forward to keeping it going here in just a second. Thank you, Corey. Thank you very much. This was a fascinating conversation to me because there are not a lot of people in my field uh, that are clinician that get into what Cedric's talking about in the sense of that it can actually be resolved. You can put it to rest completely. Majority of my field is we figure out how to dampen it, to lessen it, to be less impactful, but not actually heal from it. Well, I think that gives a lot of people hope. Absolutely. Wow, I feel like I've been dealing with something. It might be a year, it might be 20 years, but there's, there's a way for me to deal with this. Obviously, God can give total peace. Yes. Right? But these are some avenues that he gives us to have that. Absolutely. <laughs> there's bot, There's healing within the body that is provided, and this is an avenue to do it. Absolutely. So transcripts are available on each of the episode's pages. So go to the episode it's, that you're listening to, like this one, and the transcripts are there at the bottom of that page. Advertisers, deals, and discounts are also available at each of the episode's pages at passionatelymarried.net. So please consider supporting those who support the show. Well, however you've taken some time out to spend it with us, thank you, and we'll see you again next time.